Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. It's been a busy couple of weeks on the WDF tour since the end of the first World Championship under their umbrella. We've seen the announcement that the 2022 Australian Open will be a platinum event. We've seen four ranking events played across three different countries. Two players book their automatic places at the 2023 WDF World Championships and a new men's WDF World Number 1 get crowned in Scotland. The first of the four ranking events over the last couple of weeks was the Victorian Easter Classic, the second Australian ranking event of 2022. The titles there were won by Amanda Locke and Sam Ballinger, who were both guests on this week's show. First up is Amanda who talked to me about beating her pairs partner Joe Hadley to win the title, not knowing that she'd booked a spot in the World Masters later this year, taking a 20-plus year break from the sport before being reunited with her now partner Laurie, who she knew when she was a child, and spending the last three weeks on the road just to play darts competitions across Australia. I'm now delighted to be joined by Australia's Amanda Locke. Amanda, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Glad to have you on the show. Congratulations on your recent win at the Victorian Easter Classic just over a week ago. How do you reflect on that win now? Um, looking back, I'm pleased to have it under my belt, that's for sure. Uh, that was obviously the aim. A bit of a rough day, to be honest. I've uh, been on the road a lot, so not a whole lot of practice going on. So I do think I got lucky a few times there, but... I dug deep at the right times and, and got through. So, yeah, happy to have that one under my belt, as, as I said. I saw you, you posted on Facebook after your win and you said that you felt Lady Luck was on your side. Was that just because of the travelling or were there some games where, you know, you were able to capitalise on, on opportunities? Um, I think I, that's part of my game. I do, you know, I'm still relatively, I've only been playing for about six years or so, so I'm still learning the the depth and the length of these games and the big ones. Um, I've had a bit of experience at it now, though. I've done sort of, you know, a few, quite a few along the way. Definitely being on the road a lot has hindered with the no practice. But digging deep, I know how to sort of find that something when I need it most of the time. And I just happen to be able to, you know, hone in on that on the day at the right time, I guess. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, in the final in, in Victoria, you were playing the lady you played pairs with that weekend, Joe Hadley. But I imagine yeah. you often end up playing your friends in the Australian events because it's quite a small women's field, typically. Absolutely. There's there's only there's a few in each different state. Not all people travel to all the different states. Um, however, there are a, a handful of us that do. So a lot of the time, yes, you'll end up playing the similar bunch within the quarters, the semis and the finals. So, yeah, and a lot of the time, most of the time, yes, we are all very good friends and you have to try and put that aside, especially when it's your doubles partner. Uh, lovely lady, Jo Hadley, she's an awesome legend of the game. Um, she had me on toast. Um, I just had a couple of good shots at the right time. She missed and I took advantage. So, but um, no, very, very lovely lady and a top dart player, full respect for Jo, as the other ladies of Australian darts. And I'm sure no matter who wins, you're always able to have a, a chat and a drink afterwards as well. 100%. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> that was the second 
WDF ranking title for you. You won the, the Melton Classic back in 2019. And interestingly, you also beat Joe in that final as well. What are your memories of that tournament from a couple of years ago? Um, for me, that was actually quite a big one. That's a, a memorable one for me. It was one of the first top DA, the WDF and DA ranking events that I won where all the top top ladies of Australia were there. It was a big, you know, we had all travelled. Uh, it was pre-COVID. Um, so that one for me was stands out. It's one of the first ones I mentioned when people ask me about, you know, things that I've done. It was a tough field. Um, I actually felt had been, we'd been practising and playing a lot, so I was really, you know, focused on that one, um, pushed all the way through. I think Joe knocked Tori Kuish out in the semi in that one. I may be wrong, I'm not sure, but it was close, so it would have either been Joe or Tori that I would play. Um, ended up being Joe, um, and it was a great game. We both had a, a good run all the way to the end, and, yeah, I'd... I got the got the winning data, I suppose, but felt felt great. That was my first big win. And then this past weekend, you were you were on the road again down in South Australia. Didn't get yeah. the, the win this time in Murray Bridge, but a semi final and still some more ranking points on the table, which is the main thing, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. I was pretty um pretty worn out by the end of Sunday. I must admit, a lot a lot of kilometres travelled. We left home nearly two weeks ago. Um, in a truck. We have our five-year-old daughter that travels with us. She's a trooper. Um, we've travelled 20 hours from Queensland down to the Geelong, then seven hours over to SA. By Sunday, we were pretty knackered, but I pushed through. It was quite sketchy at the end, but um, I got the semi-final and I'm content with that considering no practice and all the travelling and out being out of sorts and juggling a five-year-old. So, yeah. That, that travelling, when you told me about this the other day, absolutely blew my mind because I think I always forget how big Australia is. But I suppose one thing I guess I want to ask first of all is, is flying around Australia not really a practical option? So we, it is, because Laurie and I both travel to, together and have our five-year-old. Up until now, she hasn't been at school. She's only just started prep which is pre-grade one. Um, so generally you're up for at least three adult tickets, which is quite, it does get quite expensive. Uh, and usually we don't do the crazy three in a row. We've done, we're literally doing three weekends in a row, one in Queensland, one in Geelong, SA, and then back up to Queensland for next weekend. So that is, that's a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, <laughs> we don't have sponsors, so we just do it all off our savings and winnings as we go along as best we can. Um, so yeah, we at the moment this time round we've actually we own a truck, so we've come down to pick up the rest of our house and, and bring that back up because we've just moved to Queensland from SA. So it was like an all-in-one decision to just get it done. But yeah, usually we'll just do the one state <laughs> at a time. <laughs> I, I suppose that enormous commitment with the, the travel and obviously the time it takes as well. You, you must both just absolutely love playing darts to want to still do that week after week. Oh, 100%. Laurie and I grew up playing darts together with our parents. Uh, we met when we were very young, probably about nine years old. I stopped playing darts by the time I was about 16, 17. I went my separate way, didn't play darts for over 23 years. 
Um, and then when I finally came back to darts after separating from my ex-husband, you know, went back to darts because it was what I loved doing. Um, met up with all our old friends, back up with Laurie, and just it just kicked in. It just snowballed. Laurie was in and out of darts as well, but he was more into it when we met back up again. So I just said to him, I want to do this, and now we do it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Originally for you then, obviously you said you started playing with your parents. Were you playing competitively those first few years when you started playing or was it more a recreational thing? It was a bit of both. I was very young, so I just sort of used to go along with mum and dad. Uh, but then there was a juniors there. I started on Gold Coast, uh, Gold Coast Arts, when I was nine. Um, ended up playing in the... There's two different levels of junior darts in Queensland. There's one, the, lower, the lower years, which is... 9 to 13, and then there's the 13 to 17. Um, I think I played one in the lower ones when I was nine and jumped straight into the the senior juniors, so to speak. Um, so I did play for my club and my zone. Missed out on the Queensland side by, and I do remember what it was, I missed out by about, I think it was 0. 0.01 <laughs> to get into the side when I the only time I try, tried out. But it wasn't long after that that I quit darts. Um, life took on lots of children. <laughs> so, yeah, it was competitive, but it was all in just good fun to see how I could go. And I loved it because it, I, I could do it, <laughs> so to speak. You know, those 20, 20 years or so that you weren't playing, obviously, you know, raising your children and so on, did you still follow darts or watch darts or did you just completely step away from it? I completely stepped away from it. The most we had was a dartboard downstairs and if ever we'd have friends over or we'd be downstairs doing something, the kids knew I played darts, so they'd all challenge me and we'd just get up and have a bit of a throw just for fun and a few drinks, you know, and people come over. But other than that, it was a dusty old dartboard. <laughs> what was it, what was the moment, if, if you can pinpoint one, that led you to actually decide, I actually want to get back out there and actually start playing darts and playing competitive darts as well in tournaments and so on? Um, basically, it's the socialising that drew me back to darts. I missed all my friends that I grew up with. Uh, I reached out to them when, I, as I said, I separated from my ex-husband. After a while, I sort of reset my life and reached out to all my old friends that I grew up with, and lo and behold, they all still played darts. So I instantly went back into it, uh, and I love I loved darts, always have, so... It was a no-brainer, mm. and I don't really like playing for a sport. I need, I'm very competitive in anything I do, so if I was going to play, I was going all in. <laughs> mm. And obviously, it's a lovely story that after you know growing up together, then all those years apart, you and Laurie have now found each other again and now happily together. Happily ever after. It is a fairy tale for him and I. It really is. And the passion that we both share for darts is... It's equal. He loves it just as much as I do. We both feed off each other. Uh, we practice together at home. He, I will say this, I'll give him credit, he's way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> but I push him and I'm learning and I'm getting there. So I feed off him, but when I do manage to get up on top and, you know, give him a whirl, he feeds off me just the same. So we're actually, we complement each other. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it seems to help us both once we get out there and play, so hmm. a bit handy. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, I mean, you you often hear players over here talk about 
the support of the family is what helps them to to actually succeed having that family behind them well obviously that the commitment you guys put in with the traveling it's good that you yeah. have each other that you're both in the same boat and you can bounce off each other when sure. you, you know you're not tired or you're not practicing or whatever yeah absolutely especially i mean with Nevaeh, our little fiver, all our other kids are grown up. We are old. <laughs> uh, we have nine ch- children between us. So, but with Nevaeh, we take her with us. If one's playing, the other one will look after. But the the best part about it is um, when we're at darts, if we're both playing, there are so many lovely people at darts that will just help out and sit and play with Nevaeh, you know, on the not-so-big tournaments. I mean, we don't take it to the big ones, but... Darts in general, when she's there, everyone helps out. It's like a big family at darts as well, so that really helps. And uh, has she started playing, taking after mum and dad? She has. Oh, yeah. She lines up. She stands still and she waits. She does the um, Russ Bray 180 call. I won't do it and embarrass myself, but she's (laughs) such a little cutie when she does it. So no doubt we put the dartboard halfway down the board under our board and she loves it. Oh, that's lovely. She has her own darts, yeah. <laughs> now, looking ahead for you, winning the Victorian Easter Classic qualifies you for the WDF World Masters at the end of this year. Did you know that oh, okay. you'd qualify for that? I did not know that. <laughs> no. There we go. It's awesome. <laughs> that makes it two for two because Sam Ballinger didn't know either. So. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, well, there you go. I'm not the only one. <laughs> I just step on that line when I when I can, and if someone says, "Hey, you can do this now," I'm like, "Okay, I'll go do it." <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I've I'm yet, I've Laurie guides me a lot through what I need to do and how I need to get there. Everything's changed with COVID and got delayed. I felt I was at my peak throughout towards the end of 2019, uh, and then it all stopped and everything changed. So it really does feel like we're starting all over again. But um, if I've qualified, then I'll be there in flying colours, that's for sure. That's, that's the goal, yeah. to go as far as I can. Absolutely. And I suppose having that, okay, you only just found that out, but that's in December. Yeah. That obviously gives you something to, to look forward and build towards for the rest of the year as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, the drive's already there. We would have been on the board as much as we can anyway, just for our local darts and our, you know, the tournaments that we do. Um, and all the rankings and that. So, but to have that in sight, that's actually quite a nice little surprise. Hmm. Um, and that will definitely push not just me, but Laurie as well. He wants to be right there beside me doing it all, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. That's quite interesting. I'm a bit stunned on that one. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, once we get home after this crazy round of travelling and tournaments and with the, you know, what I have done and, and obviously what you've just told me, we will be sitting down. We've got a book at home, a calendar that we have most things written down, but now it looks like it's going to be a bit of a reset and have a, a deeper look into how it all you know, works and what journey we need to do to get us get me to the end or both of us. Oh, lovely. So, yeah. I was going to say, you, you have been overseas to play darts before, though, because you were the, the Darts Australia representative at the, the PDC World Championship qualifiers a, a few years ago for the, for the women. How did that opportunity actually come about for you? Um, again, I have to say, Lady Luck sat on my shoulder. I actually qualified number two. Uh, Emma Watkins from Tasmania pipped me with a couple of points, I think it was, for the number one spot. 
Um, unfortunately, Emma had some issues go on in her personal life, health and whatnot, so she pulled out, um, gave me her full blessing and best wishes to take the spot. Um, so I got to go. Very lucky. Absolutely enjoyed it. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Made, and one of the biggest parts about it was I made my parents so proud. Being dart players themselves, they were like, my mum's bingo friends knew all about it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, being over there was such an experience. I feel I've come such a long way since then. I personally don't even feel like I was at the peak of my darts at all. And I still did all right. I felt I did all right considering um, so to have an opportunity to do something like that again would be awesome, especially yeah. putting more time and more hours into it, you know. Obviously, that, that came through the DPA, which you've played a lot over the years with, with Laurie as well. Do you feel yeah. that playing regularly against some of Australia's top male players has helped your game evolve? Oh, 100%. 100%. That, to me, playing against the men... It, no disrespect to women, playing against women, I do the same, but there's just something when, when they're coming out with 25 to 30 averages every leg, <laughs> I don't want to be that person, dart player, that just gets flogged 6-0 or 9-0 every time. So it really makes me focus and dig deep. Um, and I give them a good run a lot of the time, a, a lot of times, you know. I get off my board quite a lot from a round robin, and it really does lift my game, absolutely. So looking ahead now... I know you've got the, the state trials this coming weekend, but what's on the, the calendar for you in the next few months? To be honest, right now, sitting in a truck in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> um, I, I know I've got a, a couple of rep games for our local club. I play for Redlands Darts in Queensland. Um, so we've got a couple of rep games um, called the Adam and Eve. Um, but the all the zone tournaments, obviously, and the WDF. I think there's a Sunshine State Classic coming up. Um, so all the big ones, um, is they're all on the calendar. What comes in what order right now? My mind is boggled, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but but whatever's there for the t- you know up for grabs, we will be there doing whatever you know whichever's comes first, I guess, in that order. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Laurie and I do. We just look at the calendar, see what's coming up, and just jump into it. Providing it's not too far, and <laughs> usually we'll have to pick and choose. Not like this time where we did them all. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about playing rep games there for your club, how often on a normal week when you're at home would you play darts? Um, at the moment, because we've, we've just moved to Queensland, uh, we only moved to Queensland in November last year. Um, we're only playing two nights a week at the moment, Tuesday and Wednesday night. When we're in Adelaide, we played four nights a week. <laughs> we're a little bit crazier back then. <laughs> but we sort of, yeah, two nights a week at the moment. Life's hectic up there. Moving house, we just bought a house and haven't moved in yet. There's tenants in it. So darts is, yeah, we've, we've picked two of the good leagues to play. and that, But that's it at the moment, yeah. And then the weekends, obviously. And I suppose one... I know you know you said your brain's a bit scrambled with regards to the calendar, but I'm sure one thing that is on the horizon is that the Australian Open is is back this year, which obviously is a a massive opportunity Absolutely. for for all the Australian ladies. Oh, for sure. Absolutely, that one's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Anything like that. I I think we did the Australian Open. When was the last one? It was I think we've missed a couple of years, haven't we? Yeah, I did the. I think I tried out for it a couple of years ago, and I think I got to the semi-final and that was a one day 
uh, qualifier. I'm pretty sure I got to the semi in that one as well and got pipped at the post, so no luck to get into it. Laurie got into that one, though. He played. Um, He didn't do too bad from memory. I think he played Mal Cumming and Gigi, uh, Gordon Glenn Mathers. But that's definitely on the cards, definitely on the books. And as I said, got to get back on that board. I felt the no practice this weekend, that's for sure. (laughs) And I suppose just as a last question from me then, in in a broader sense... Are there any goals that you've set yourself that you want to achieve in darts? My, obviously, the ultimate goal is to be the number one Australian lady. Tori's going to be is a very tough nut to crack. She just nails everything she touches over here. I give her a good run. Uh, eventually, I'm planning on hopefully getting you know meeting her up at that top spot and even travelling with her overseas. Um, but definitely want to head over and play the play the top ladies internationally that is my ultimate dream fantastic well thank you very much for your time today amanda i appreciate you finding no some time in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> thank uh, you very much i hope i did all right. i said the brain's a bit boggled we've been on the road since 4 30 this morning so uh, you, <laughs> but thank you for having me it was it was lovely no you've been brilliant and if you do make it over for the world masters later this year hopefully i'll see you there absolutely thank you so much i appreciate it I really enjoyed talking to Amanda. I appreciate the fact that uh, she called me from what she described as, you know, basically a a truck stop in the middle of nowhere on their 22-hour journey home from South Australia to Queensland. She actually told me after we finished recording that she's actually English by birth. She was born in Nottingham but moved to Australia when she was just 18 months old. Um, Unfortunately... She didn't win the Murray Bridge Grand Prix in South Australia because if she did, there would have been some pictures online of her wearing a shirt with a big English flag on it, which would have been quite cool to see. But yeah, talking to her, it was crazy to just have it put into words how much travel is involved for people like herself and Laurie who want to commit and travel around Australia to play darts. I think I often forget just how big the country is in you know in terms of geography. So... Yeah, massive props to them for for the commitment they show and, of course, be seeing Amanda and hopefully Laurie as well at the the World Masters later this year. I referenced the the Murray Bridge Grand Prix. Amanda went out in the semis of that competition with the eventual titles going to Kim Mitchell in the ladies and Peter Machin in the men's. Peter is a name that I'm sure many of you will have heard before. He's a regular title winner on the Australian Tour and of course, he won the 2017 BDO World Trophy. In the final of the, the Grand Prix, Peter averaged just over 85 to defeat the 2014 Pacific Masters champion, Tony Pettit. Um, you've got to know that, you know, with that win under his belt, things starting to get back to normal. Peter will be targeting more success later this year and also a big run at the, the Australian Open where you'd fancy him to, to do well and maybe, if results go his way, book a long-awaited lakeside debut, which is something me and him have have discussed before. Over in the ladies' competition, it was a great story, really, seeing Kim Mitchell win, because that was her first title since she won the 1993 Pacific Masters. Uh, In the final on Sunday, she beat Abby Morrison, who used to be a star of the Australian youth team, and I get the feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more of Abby in the years to come, and I think she's going to be joining the likes of Amanda and, and Tori 
and Bob Smith and so on at the top of the game in Australia. I really do. Going back a, a week to the, the Victorian Easter Classic, the men's title there was won by the Bear, Sam Ballinger. He produced a career-best run to win his maiden title. He beat Brody Kling in the semi-finals. Brody's been playing some really good stuff over the last couple of years, really maturing as a player. But Sam saw him off before defeating Brandon Weening, who's obviously had a lot of success on the DPA Tour in 2022. Um Brandon was initially 3-0 up in the final before Sam won four on the spin, a run that included finishes of 158 and 120 uh, to take the lead, and, and Sam would kick on from there, eventually winning 8-5. Sam and I caught up last week to discuss his title win, his route into the game, and his relatively modest aims for the future. I'm now delighted to be joined by the bear, Sam Ballinger. Sam, how are you? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. How are you? Very well, thank you, mate. Nice to, to have you on. Congratulations on your win at the Victorian Easter Classic at the weekend. How are you reflecting on that title success now? Well, oh, geez, It was a bit surreal. Uh, couldn't quite believe what I did, but uh, no, I'm absolutely stoked to have that win under my belt now. Was that your first sort of senior ranking final? It was. That was, my, that was the biggest win of my career so far. Look, looking at the final, it was quite a slow start for you against Brandon. You were you were 3-0 down, but did you feel in that game you were able to sort of draw on the game you had with Mal Cumming earlier in the day where you'd come from 4-1 down to beat him 5-4? Uh, exactly right. Um, I, was never, I never felt like I was out of it. I knew it was a long sort of game. I knew that was a long way to go, so I still had the confidence to come back and, yeah, got there in the end. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I felt good. I felt good the whole game. You know, that you produced a four-leg run from, from 3-0 to go 4-3 up, including two massive ton-plus checkouts. How much did you feel, you know, obviously they got you back in the game, but how much did you feel they affected him as well? I don't think they affected him too much. Um, it was more so for my confidence. Um, Brando's a, a decent player, as you can see. Um, when he gets on a roll, he's pretty hard to stop. So I sort of needed those to get myself back in it, really. Do you have much experience of playing sort of a best of 15 leg? Because that's a lot longer than even we'd have on, on the European Tour. I do have experience with long-ish formats. I play best of 11 week to week at my Super League where I play locally, um, that sort of gives you the, the stamina to sort of keep it up, I guess. And you, you were 7-5 up going into that, that last leg. You had to throw. It got a little bit nervy with some, some mismatch starts, but I'm sure you were relieved eventually to just get over the line. <laughs> uh, I had missed that many darts of the double throughout the whole day, so <laughs> I don't quite know what happened, but it wasn't fun. <laughs> I guess I just sort of lost a bit of focus and just started hoping it went in for me. But, yeah, I had to switch back on very quickly because I didn't want to let Brandon back in. Yeah, of course. And now having made one final and obviously won it, which was great, is the goal now for you to, to just be getting to that end of the tournament on a regular basis? There's a, there's a lot of good players in Victoria, so you can't really schedule your next win pretty much. So all I can do is just keep working hard I guess and um, get success you know when um, when it comes really mm, for sure 
something you guys have down in Australia that we don't really do in the UK is that the round robin element of the tournament and you and Brandon actually played each other in the round robin earlier in the day how much of an effect does that have knowing that you've already played that person earlier in the day and then you get drawn against them later on I wasn't really surprised because he was he was playing quite well obviously he beat me in the round robin which was you know okay I guess <laughs> um, but that didn't didn't um, ruin my confidence against him in the final I know he's a good player I know I'm a good player so I knew it was going to be a good game either way Mm, for sure looking back for you this is something I ask everyone who, who comes on the show how did you actually get into darts originally obviously I had a board at home used to throw with my brothers on a regular basis um, one night I went to watch a local comp and there was a team that was short and I got asked to fill in and I fell in love straight away and when you played for that team the first time how old were you 14. So I'm 29 now, so 15 years ago. And have you played consistently since then? Yes. Every year. I still love it. (laughs) (laughs) When you were were growing up, who were the the biggest influences on you from from a darting perspective? Was that mainly your family? I kept hearing stories about a dude who was an absolute legend and still is. His name's Steve Duke Sr., He's sort of my first idol that I had growing up. Um, and we we get along like a house on fire. And how he, we, I yeah, love the dude. He's still a legend. Always will be. Yeah. Other than that, um, yeah, just a few local players that uh, were quite good back in the day. And I always looked up to them and wanted to try and you know beat them all the time. So, yeah. And when you started playing, was that, you know, obviously you were only sort of a teenager at the time, so was that you went through sort of junior events and, and youth-level competitions before moving into the seniors? Yeah, I, I represented Victoria as a junior when I was 17. That was sort of my first um, state experience. Um, then I moved on to the 25s and under age bracket where I played for Victoria for another seven or eight years. And then um, 2017... I played for Victoria at a senior level. That under 25 isn't necessarily something we have so much over here. So is that quite a competitive age bracket, that sort of under 25 category? It it can be. Um, Not every state competed. But um, it was a really good chance to go away and and, um, work on your game, work on your experience and develop as a player, I guess. So you were obviously playing on a fairly regular basis and then we had two years where restrictions in Australia were quite tight and often you couldn't travel from you know where you are in Victoria to, to other states. So were you someone who got quite big into the online darts during that time? No, I didn't actually. Um, I didn't get into it at all. Yeah, it, just didn't, it just didn't sit right with me. <laughs> Um, I, I prefer. I much prefer face to face and uh, seeing people and you know having a laugh and you know all the antics that comes with darts, not just the darts. So. <laughs> How long have you actually been able to get back out playing in person stuff now in Victoria? Uh, pretty much just this year. I've, I've got back into it into the full swing of things. We couldn't even travel more than five k's at one stage, so. <laughs> 
God, yeah. I know you played, though, last year on the, the satellite tour with the, the DPA. How did those events actually work? No, that was... Uh, you played in your state bubble. So every state had their own tournament. And then from that, you got your Australian ranking points for the overall sort of winner, I guess. So I suppose if you weren't really getting massively into the online then, did, did your win in one of those come as a little bit of a surprise? A little, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was good though. Like I said, there's a lot of good players in Victoria, so getting any sort of win over here is quite difficult. Now I noticed when I was I was watching the stream of the final of you against Brandon, your nickname is the Bear. What are the origins of that? <laughs> well, that, the first team I told you about that I filled in for that first night, we were they were called the the Bayside Bears, so we all got a, a nickname from that, and I guess I'm. Yeah. yeah. People people just call me Sammy B Bear. I guess it sort of rolls off the tongue all right. <laughs> yeah, that's quite clever. Um, so your win in the Victorian Easter Classic qualifies you for the WDF World Masters later this year. Did you know that? No. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, yeah, that would obviously... No, I did not. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that would give you the opportunity to play at the World Masters in the Netherlands in December. And obviously, if you were to, to take that, so you've only just found out, would that be the first time you've played darts outside of Australia? Yes, definitely. There you go. I've never even thought about it, to be honest. <laughs> I haven't thought that far ahead. Yeah, no, anyone who wins a WDF ranking event gets a spot at the, gets a spot at the Masters, so... You will now be there if if you're able to come over. Yeah, right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even excluding that, it looks like it's going to be a, a really good year for, for darts in Australia this year. With the pandemic, you know, seemingly we're, we're moving past it now. The World Series, the PDC World Series is going back to Australia. And you've got the, the big Australian Open, which is going to be in, in Victoria later this year. So... In theory, a lot of bigger opportunities for a player like yourself to, to strive for this year. Yeah, for sure. I know the Australian Open last year, or whenever it was, um, 2019, I think it was, I had a lot of success and, and um, got a lot of exposure for Australian darts, which is really good. So it'd be awesome to be, be a part of that and get on TV, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I suppose what, for you... What are the, the goals in darts? What is it that you want to achieve in the game? Oh, I don't really have many ambitions at the moment. Um, obviously, I want to keep winning, but um, I just want to keep enjoying it, really. Whatever success comes my way, I'll definitely grab, but um, yeah, I just want to keep you know, doing my thing. Yeah. Yeah, having fun really. <laughs> and what's the calendar looking like for you for the for the next few months? Are there any sort of big competitions you'll be playing in? Uh, I've got the Victorian Senior State Trikes in a couple of weeks, so I'll be uh, going for that. Other than that, I haven't really looked. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time today, Sam. I really appreciate it. And if you do manage to get over to the, the World Masters later in the year, I hopefully will see you there. Yeah, cheers, man. I appreciate that. I've just got a, a couple of people I'd like to mention before I go. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'd like to 
I'd like to thank my sponsors, Simon Kellett and the boys at Dart World Australia for all their help and support. And I'd also like to thank Ian Dargan and the boys at Team Rebel for all their support as well. Without them, I probably wouldn't have this success that I've just found. So, yeah, those guys are awesome. Oh, lovely. And how long have, how long have those sponsors been with you? Uh, it's been a year with Team Rebel and just over a year with Dark World Australia. Oh, nice one. Well, it's, yeah. yeah, it's nice to hear you getting some back in and, and nice to, to hear you give them a shout-out as well. Oh, for sure, yeah. Those guys are, yeah. I, I did it for them. That, that wins for them, really. Nice one. Thank you very much, Sam. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Sam seems like a really lovely bloke, and I, th- I think he's a player with real ability who could... Hopefully, if things go his way, really kick on over the next couple of years. As he says, Victoria is a, a hotbed of darts in Australia. There's a lot of good talent there. Uh, the likes of Mal Cumming, Brandon Weening, Justin Thompson obviously all live there. Um, it, it's a good state for darts, but he showed in the Easter Classic that he's got a good game. He's a good scorer, good finisher. And the more match practice and the more back-to-normal things get in Australia... I think he'll be a name we'll be seeing more of. I I would expect he will qualify for the Australian Open later this year via some means. And I think if he gets in, he's got the chance of going going quite deep. I've touched on it a couple of times, the Australian Open. I just wanted to sort of have a, a slightly longer word on it now. When it first happened in 2019, I thought it was a great competition uh, but it sort of felt like a slightly odd standalone event because at the time the WDF didn't have the prominent role they have now uh, for many people and obviously it didn't carry any ranking points with the BDO at the time so it sort of felt out, out on a limb a bit. So it's nice to see it ranked now and a full part of the WDF system. I think it sums up the world element of, of their vision and it's so nice to see a big ranking event in a completely different part of the world. I know that's part of you know Richard Ashdown and the team's vision is to have events like the Australian Open in other places where regional players are going up against the top names in the WDF. It gives opportunities to the WDF's big-name players and it also allows the players in that region to get more televised exposure and get more big match exposure rather than just limiting them to the World Masters or the World Championship. I think that the Australian Open this year is going to be a great showcase for the Aussies, the Kiwis, who are obviously going to be in fighting form ready to go with the World Series returning later that month as well. So I think it looks to be a really good competition, really nice prize fund. And obviously there's a lot of attention for the PDC women's match play in Blackpool. But for me, I, I think that the lineup for the Women's Australian Open, certainly the latter stages, is probably going to be just as good with Lisa Ashton, Makuru Suzuki, Bo Greaves, Dieter Hedman, all confi- well, all more or less confirmed already, and, and Tori Kewish likely to be joining them as well. So for me, that ladies' competition is going to be really good, going to be good to see them over a longer format as well. But moving back to, to competitions that have happened, the biggest one since Lakeside was the Scottish Open. It's always one of the, the biggest events of the year, the Scottish, and it had gold status uh, once again for, for 2022. Unfortunately, it ended up clashing with the UKDA's Magic Weekend, which, as an aside, looked really great from all the pictures and things I've seen. 
and I've mostly heard really good things from people about the weekend. Um, the clash was wasn't great, but it was hard to avoid with the WDF calendar being so full, and the SDA having to find a new date after February wouldn't work with the, the COVID restrictions at the time in Scotland. So it's a shame, but hopefully won't be the same in the future. Hopefully Scotland will go back to its traditional February slot. Um, but there were still 453 men in the men's competition, which is a remarkably good number, and it was a very high-quality field. We were guaranteed a new name on the men's trophy, or at least a different name on the men's trophy, as the 2020 winner, the defending champion, would have been Jim Williams, but of course he's now in the PDC. Neil Duff, the Duff man, he entered as, as world number one and the, the world champion, but he went out in the last 32 to England's Terry Roach. Uh, in the end, the final four of the men's competition were Ryan Murray, Jamie Lewis, James Hurrell and young James Beaton. It was nice to see James Beaton in particular do well. He plays a lot of events, he really supports the tour, but hasn't really had the reward in terms of deep runs. But he played well in Scotland, took his chances when they came to him, and the points he's accrued for that semi-final will really help him with seeding and stuff for the rest of the year. James Beaton lost his semi-final to James Hurrell in a last-leg decider, with, with Ryan Murray beating Jamie Lewis in the other one. In the final, Ryan Murray had five darts to actually win the title and seal a lakeside debut, but nerves got the better of him in the end. He squandered those match darts, and... James Hurrell took out eight to seal victory. It's the second title of the year for Hillbilly, who now has a spot at the 2023 World Championships confirmed, and he's now back to the top of the WDF rankings as world number one. To be fair to James, he looked like the four man all the way through. In the last game on Saturday, he averaged 102, and then in the first three games of Sunday's play, he averaged 101.9, 98.56, and 101.72. He was a little bit more nervy in the streamed games, but those preceding ones, the last 32, the last 16 in the quarterfinal, were far more representative of what he's capable than he probably felt his performance at the World Championships were. The women's title went the way of Dita Hedman. Bo Greaves was, was obviously the favourite. She entered as world champion and had won 15 WDF games on the spin after her double in the Isle of Man back in March. To be perfectly honest, Bo looked odds-on to win based on the way she started the day. Big averages, big scores looked more or less like she was carrying on where she'd left off in the Isle of Man and at Lakeside. But she was ultimately undone in the quarterfinals by Joe Clements. Bo started really well, but, but Joe fought back, scrapped away, took her chances and won that game 4-3 before following that up on the Sunday by beating the Lakeside runner-up Kirsty Hutchinson to reach her second ranking final of the year. It was a tight game with Dieter, but Dieter eventually merged victorious in a last-leg decider. After Lakeside not going the way Dieter would have hoped and the fact she's still struggling with some niggling injuries, it was great to see her emerge victorious in the event again, and I know how much that the win in Scotland meant to her. It was a, an emotional weekend. There was an Andy Fordham exhibition on the Friday, which she was a part of, Obviously, her and Andy were close friends, worked together on the Heart of Darts charity for years. Uh, so it was an emotional weekend for her, capped off by a title victory and a guaranteed place at the World Championships next year. The other event over the weekend was the Iceland Open, the second event in Iceland this year. 
England's John Scott was hoping to make it a title double in Iceland after his win at the Reykjavik International Games back in February, but he had some issues with his hand during the weekend and uh, he went out in the quarterfinals. Uh, the title instead went the way of Gabor Takac of Hungary, who beat the man who was, who was once described to me as the Phil Taylor of Icelandic darts, Gujon Hauksson. Um, the women's title was won by Ingebjörg Magnusdottir, who continues to, to sort of stand clear as the, the, the country's top female player. The WDF Tour rolls on this weekend with five more ranking competitions held across three different countries. Two more 2023 WDF World Championship places will be on the line in Denmark at the gold-ranked Denmark Open on Saturday, uh, with the silver-graded Denmark Masters to be played on Sunday. Canada has two events over the course of the weekend, the Shediac Open in New Brunswick and the Snowflake Open in Alberta. And then there is also a silver-graded competition in America, and that's the Cleveland Extravaganza. There will be coverage of all five of those competitions on next week's show. But that's everything for this week. So I just want to say a massive thank you to Amanda and Sam for their time on this week's show and to you for listening. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Just want to, before I finish, give a quick mention to Matthew Kiernan, the darting nerd. Uh, We had a game at Lakeside during the World Championships and there's a video of that game now up on his channel featuring some commentary that me and him recorded at the back end of last week. It was a nice chat with Matt, good to catch up and good to play at Lakeside. So check that video out. Uh, I'll stick the link up on social media tomorrow for those of you who haven't seen it. Uh, But in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page, Inside the WDF, and you can rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you on the other side.